Well, after a couple weeks off, I'm back with this week's edition of Sermon Scraps. This past week, we looked at Mark 6, 6 through 30, which was the account of Jesus sending his disciples on their first missionary journey, where they were going to preach and heal many people and and do uh, exorcisms. And one of the things that came out of that was the idea for simplicity. Um, And and some of what I wanted to talk about, I I mentioned this book, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which also has a a right now media study. Um, The chapter that that I read in there on simplicity last summer, I, I just thought was really, really helpful. Um, and some of the way that he frames it is, is this idea that over uh, over the past century, uh, we have, have just become consumers. So everyone today has more stuff than they know what to do with. However, just having more stuff does not equal more happiness. In fact, generally the opposite is true. Um, he shares an example in, in this book of uh, he used to have a motorcycle. And in order to enjoy the motorcycle, it takes time and money and, and effort put in and, and like mental space in order to figure out how you're going to take care of it and when you're going to go out and ride it and all those pieces. And so in this case, Having a motorcycle, while it was a gift, ended up taking more time and energy and effort than was actually worth it. So the more stuff that we have, the more we end up like thinking about it, and, and the more essentially we just become trained to continue accumulating more stuff. He shares a really sobering stat in the video on that section from right now that that uh, just looking at uh, the, the storage units that we have across our country, there is uh, literally enough storage space for ev- us to house every person in our country, like be able to have a place where they could could sleep and live. Um, like that's how much stuff there is in America. Um, and, and some of this it actually just, just came out of the way uh, people responded to, to uh, World War II and coming out of World War II. Uh, there was a guy named Paul Mazur of the Lehman Brothers, the Lehman Brothers who, who went bankrupt during the financial crisis of uh, 2008. Uh, what Paul Mazur said in, in uh, 40s or 50s is we must shift America from a needs to a desire culture. So that's important. What 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 we shifted from uh, after World War II. Before that, it was just as long as we had food and I mean, essentially, what I what I talked about with Paul, as long as we have food and clothes, uh, as long as we have shelter, a place to live, uh, we're going to be content. Uh, so what he's saying is we need to shift from a needs only to a desire culture. He goes on. People must be trained to desire to want new things even before the old have been entirely consumed. We must shape a new mentality. Man's desires must overshadow his needs. So I mean, I think that that is. Uh, uh, pretty prophetic in the way that we have gone about our our uh, lives uh, even today like if 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 our desires are what define us instead of j- just having enough to survive our, our needs um, we're going to approach life very differently than we should before uh, you, you can even see this in the way uh, uh, we were encouraged to respond to the terrorist attacks of 9-11 essentially the fix was go shopping you saw this in the midst of COVID. all of us had this stimulus money come in so trying to encourage us go continue spending more money now uh, in response to this like i, I want to think through i i left the well, i'll grab the book quick there's a few books that I want to talk about. So the first one is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I just recommend um, just to start thinking through. And I, I, like, he, I don't always like the way John Mark Comer writes because um, there's not always like complete paragraphs or sentences, that just the way it's structured. Uh, but the other piece is, is uh, there, there's other books that I think also somewhat get at this in, in a poor response. And so the two extremes that we just need to be aware of is prosperity theology, which someone like... Uh, um, 
Joel Osteen would ascribe to, but then the other side that we also need to be aware of is poverty theology. And both of these are wrong. Um, like I don't even have any prosperity theology books on my shelf. I do have some uh, uh, poverty theology. One of them is Radical, uh, subtitled Taking Back Your Faith from the American Dream. Now, uh, David Platt, I actually have a lot of respect for him. I like a lot of what he, he does. I like a lot of his preaching, uh, but he, he is writing to a specific context and culture in uh, Southern Alabama, like middle of the Bible Belt, in, in a very affluent society. I have other friends that live and serve in very blue-collar America, where people are, are honestly just living paycheck to paycheck trying to survive. A book like Radical um, doesn't really play well for, for uh, my friend who's serving in, in rural America. Um, and so I, I think we need to find some way of, of balancing these two extremes out. Of On the one side, God doesn't want us to be completely prosperous and just continue accumulating more stuff. On the other side, we need to avoid the extreme of poverty and like get rid of all material things, because that's essentially Gnosticism, which is a heresy. Like God created the, the things in this world. He created uh, them to be enjoyed by us, to use them, to steward them as, as, as faithful gifts from our Father. Like uh, it, Today's Kara's birthday, so uh, I, I pulled a steak out of the freezer for her. We're going to enjoy a, a beautiful steak today to celebrate the the uh, Kara's birthday today. I will not tell you how old she is. If she wants to, she can tell you tell you that. Um, but so like things around us, they're, they're, obviously I have, I have a ton of books, more books than I will read to, which uh, I will ever have time to read, um, which is somewhat, I read a, an article recently, uh, collecting books is, is uh, trying to hope for, for a good future. Um, so having things are not bad, but pursuing simplicity, having just what we, we need to get by is, is, is a good thing that is worth, worth pursuing. Um, I think honestly, for a lot of, of even Christians today, materialism has become the God. Uh, as, as long as you have the, the nicest car, as long as you have the nicest house, as long as you have the, the nicest, newest iPhone. And, and, and like, I confess, I, I'm just as guilty of this as, as anyone else. Like you, you even the way ads are, are uh, like structured today are geared towards our desires, not our needs. Like if you have the, the, the latest and greatest uh, Samsung flip phone, then your life is going to be complete. If you go on this amazing vacation, your life is going to be complete. And the reality is the only thing that is going to complete us is, is God. Um, and then once we, once we have him in us, it's going to redirect and reorient some of the way that we engage the culture around us. Honestly, I think like for us pursuing simplicity today is, is a good way for us to put our marker in the sand of what are you putting your hope in? Like that's going to be a, a way for us to demonstrate and, and show our neighbors around us that we live differently than they do. Uh, another piece that I just wanted to touch on briefly. One of the things I said yesterday is, is uh, what Jesus is looking for is, is, is to make us truly human. And that gets to a question that, that I think is, is worth pondering for us today and, and thinking about in some of the uh, scientific and technological advances that have uh, gone, come about just recently. Uh, the question, what does it mean to be truly human, is, is, is a very Christian basic question. Um, Dr. Greg Allison, who I have uh, mentioned before, who, who Micah and I had on for one of, our, uh, one of Micah's midweek devotionals, has actually done a lot of work in this area. He's got a book called Embodied, Living as Whole People in a Fractured World that is, is very much worth reading. I think I might have uh, a couple extra copies of this, so if you're interested in, in reading it, let me know, and I believe there's one in the library as well. Uh, he also did a talk recently at our uh, EFCA Theology Conference, so I will post a link to that in the email that I send out. Uh, but one of the things that, that he just talks about is, is the, the way that God has created us, created us as embodied beings, which gets to some of this materialism idea. Like I, I, C.S. Lewis has, has a quip where he said, uh, God doesn't, God likes material, he created it. So we have this tendency to like o almost on the one hand glorify material, on the other hand uh, 
vilify material and and what what the christian ethic gives us is is god actually created it for a reason and for a purpose that can be enjoyed uh, not for an end in itself but enjoyed in a way that that points and, and gives glory to god because he's the one that created it so um one of the things I like about Dr. Allison is, is the way he talks about uh, uh, just being a human. Um, and, and some of this even gets to um, some of the gender conversations that we're having within the, the Christian conservative circle right now is, is like what roles, responsibilities, is there a difference between men and women? And, and there is. Uh, but one of the things that, that I'm just going to read uh, some of, of Dr. Allison's definitions for us that I think are really helpful uh, because we have a tendency to add all these cultural uh, baggage onto what does it mean to be a man and what does it mean to be a woman? So here's what here, I'll read Allison's definitions and then I'll sh share why I like them. So he says, what is a man? A man is a human being created in the divine image in the male type of humankind and who inherently expresses the common human capacities and the common human properties in ways that are typical of and fitting for a man. Next, what is a woman? A woman is a human being created in the divine image in the female type of humankind and who inherently expresses the common human capacities and the common human properties in ways that are typical of and fitting for a woman. What I like about that is it doesn't add a lot of the cultural baggage onto either gender. Um, so like as I was growing up, one, one of the things that was emphasized, like uh, 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 John Eldridge wrote a book called Wild at Heart, where it talked about men are just wild hunter-gatherers. Um, I've never hunted a day in my life. Um, sounds fun. I'm not trying to diminish or belittle that. It's, it, it sounds some, like something that is enjoyable. Um, I don't like being cold, so <laughs> there's aspects of it that don't sound super fun or appealing to me. I've got family and friends that really enjoy it, and I'm glad that they do. I have uh, profited from the benefits of, of some of their hunts, especially when I was in Wyoming. Um, but hunting does not make you a man. So uh, anytime we add these like cultural baggage or ideas onto what it means to, to be either one of the genders, we start running into issues. Um, so that's why I really appreciate what Dr. Allison has said is in, in that being a human, uh, being a gendered human is part of God's design. Now, some of the, the reason that we need to have this conversation is, is uh, there's been this rise in, in uh, transhumanism, or even like if you've been following chat GPT or, or artificial intelligence, some of the ways those are, are, are improving in drastic measures today. Um, like the, these, these are getting to the questions of what does it mean to be a human? Because we have this tendency to almost view uh, humans purely instrumental as like machines. Like what can humans do for us instead of viewing just being a human in and of itself is, is, is worth uh, bringing dignity, honor, and respect to them. Um, I, I even read something recently that said that in the future, Christians may be the only ones who have kids naturally, aka the old-fashioned way, uh, because there's, there's all, like, all these, these uh, attempts to reproduce artificial wombs to try to create... Uh, I even read something recently about, um, I think it was a, a mouse that had two male parents. So they were able to find some way to bring get, get the sperm together and, and pull something out to then create a, a child from, from two male unions. Um, so as to technology advances, I think some of these conversations of what it means to be truly human are going to become more and more important for us as Christians. Again, I don't have time to dig much further into that. If you if you want to get together and talk more about some of the implications of what that means, feel free to reach out to me. Otherwise, uh, we will be continuing our series in Mark uh, coming up on Sunday, and we're going to be in this book of Mark uh, until, I believe, the end of June, and then we'll start our regular series of our pattern of, of uh, summer in the Psalms. So, hope that was helpful. Uh, again, feel free to reach out if you have questions. Otherwise, we will, Lord willing, see you on Sunday. Totally forgot to recommend a different book. Um, the best book I've read on uh, financial stewardship is Treasure, The Treasure Principle, uh, Unlocking the Secret of Joyful Giving. Um, if you want a copy of this, I've got extras, but this is uh, does a really good job of trying to um, hold the understanding that material is good. Um, so not pursuing 
poverty theology, but also not pursuing prosperity theology. Um, I'm pretty sure that one's in the library as well, and I know there's some video guides that have walked through that as well. I preached on this idea back in January. So again, if you have questions about uh, simple living or or would like to like just engage with that further, I can recommend some other people who have been thinking and processing through this stuff as well. That's the final note. Now we'll see you on Sunday.